this is Robert Garvin from Tira Fungal, and you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Brutally Delicious! Let's start by uh, 30 years. How long have you guys been in this now? Over 30 years. You ever imagine you'd still be doing it? Well, not really. Um, matter of fact, what's really funny, uh, I live, uh, you know, we live in Ventura, like right where my house is. I'm like less than a mile away from uh, where we, the first couple of places we played, we went to a junior high school, Anna Kappa Junior High School, mm-hmm. and we talked him into letting us set up like on the side of the, the parking lot there and play, and that was like in 1970, and then uh, we were in another band at for a while called Titanic, and, you know, all the core members of Serifungal, the one guy that was in the band, his family kind of played folk music. He went on, his name was Pat, he went on to play in the uh, uh, Angry Samoan, the punk band. Oh, okay, uh, cool. But at the time, you know, his family uh, was all doing folk music, so he loved the Beatles, so we were playing all Beatles songs, and the rest of us were listening to, like, you know, like Mountain, you know, in the early Deep Purple and stuff like that, so we ended up and so our first show with the band was February 15th, 1971. Wow. So actually, yeah, actually we're like, you know, we're like Stone Age creatures almost. <laughs> yeah, I was reading that on your wiki that your first gig was at an anti-Vietnam war rally. Yeah, so, well, that wasn't the first one, but that was, that was you know, that was soon after. So anyway, yeah, the band, you know, we, we took a break for 25 years or so, but... Uh, if we just stayed together, you know, we were approaching like 48, you know, 49 years, which was, you know, it's almost, uh, that's kind of an insane, you know, it's, you know, I mean, Oh yeah. I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it, but you know, we did take all that time off. So and I think that was good for the band. I did another phone interview, uh, uh college uh, station in Austin, Texas. And, it was us and another band, and at the end of the interview, they they asked, they go, you know, hey, do you have any advice for this other band, you know, this new band trying to make it in the music business, and Tim, our singer, goes, well, you need to break up for 25 years. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That is great. <laughs> and I think that, that had something to do with it. You know, we never, and when we broke up, you know, I think, uh, I swore that I'd never touch another drumstick as long as I lived, and I mean... It, there was no, I wouldn't say bad blood, but, you know, it's like the way it kind of fell apart and stuff, you know, I mean, we're all kind of disillusioned with the music business at the time. And so, you know, I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that I would never play drums again. Now, that said, I'd wake up every night dreaming about the drums and being in the studio or get, I, I'm a mechanical guy, I love cars and stuff, so I, what I love about drums, I love all the cymbal stands and the foot pedals and the cymbals, you know, I just, I love all the, the mechanized part of it. And so I'd be dreaming all that too. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I, it, it, it's nothing that ever, it kind of never left my mind, but it was something that we thought we'd close this chapter off, you know. Right. And the business yeah. has changed so much in the last, I don't know, 40 years. I mean, it's almost unrecognizable, right? Yeah, in a way. But, you know, once again, the stuff that we started listening to, you know, the stuff that made me, like whether it's, once again, early Mountain, early Black Sabbath, early Deep Purple. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of other bands from that era. A band from New York, Dust, that was a big uh, band that we loved. Uh, Sir Lord Baltimore, another band from New York at the time. You know, playing the super hard rock, heavy metal, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, to be honest, I don't think that's changed. Now, the technology around 
the recording equipment and the amplifiers and the guitars and all that stuff has kind of seemed like it's uh, evolved. But, you know, every once in a while I'll hear a band and it's like it, it takes me back to when I, you know, when I first started getting interested in this type of music. And, you know, and I always break it down pretty simple. You know, if there's like, uh, you know, a screaming singer and a slashing guitar and pounding bass and drums, you know, it's heavy metal. I mean, that's... that's right. Oh, yeah. I agree. It's, 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 there's different versions of it, and it's morphed over the years, but I agree it's all, you know, in the same vein for sure. Yeah, and even our stuff, we just put out a single last year, Witch's Game. And, you know, uh, all the guys in the band always argue about, oh, our first couple of albums, they don't like the way they sound and stuff, you know, musically. But what I kind of like about Frost and Fire and King of the Dead, our first two albums, anywhere in any song, you can be listening to it and you can hear the bass, the guitar, the drums, the singing, all without any kind of confusion. And even on that latest single we did, you know, there's so much more technology now. And, you know, we're, you know, we're having... Uh, you know, a couple of rhythm guitars and stuff. And at some point, you almost, you don't get lost in the music, but I mean, it's not as easily uh, recognizable as it is in a really simple three-piece, you know, power trio type. Right. Yeah, I mean, the way recording has evolved, I mean, recordings are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes it takes that intimacy away, especially, especially with modern mastering, how loud they make everything. There's no dynamics left in it anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just listening to Join the Legion, which sounds great. I think that was a newer release, was it not? Well, yeah, Join the Legion, that came out in uh, 1991. That's the last album we had before we broke up, and that was produced by a guy, Ron Gowdy, who actually has a recording studio in uh, in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. Oh, wow. And, you know, we kind of had a big falling out, like, after that album, because we didn't have a lot of control over the production and stuff, and, you know... The first couple albums we put out, we completely produced them ourselves. Then our third album, One Foot in Hell, was um, uh, recorded pretty much by us, but then it was all mixed down by uh, Brian from Metal Blade Records and another gentleman, Bill Matoyer, kind of like a famous uh, studio guy. And those were good, but I mean, it's like I think when you lose a little bit of that control, you feel unhappy. And so for years, I was really angry at, you know, the guy that produced it and that's one of the reasons the band broke up just was the whole uh, kind of like drama around that album. But uh, Metal Blade decided, you know, they wanted to, to re-release it. And it turned out that it was owned by uh, Warner Brothers Records. And the joke was, our dream was always to be on Warner Brothers Records. And it turns out one of our albums is owned by them. <laughs> and they wouldn't let anyone re-release it. And Metal Blade uh, really uh, went to a, a pretty strong link to get the rights to do that. So they re-released it kind of like a, a, a deluxe edition, you know, with a booklet in there and colored vinyl and all that stuff. And we started listening to it again. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think I was wrong. I think, you know, there's some actually really good stuff on there. There's a few songs on there that wasn't even really written by the band. So a lot of people say, well, how come, you know, this isn't as consistent as your other albums? And that, that's the reason. But the good stuff that's on there, like Join the Legion and the Trilogy three songs, you know, it's... it's, it's Probably some of the better stuff we ever did. That's awesome. Chris? Great. Well, I was just... Yeah, when you were, when when you were talking... Guys, we're trying to get guys to join the league. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about, you know, the band, you said that, you know, how does a new band make it? Well, you got to break up first. <laughs> but it, 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 it made me think, you know, like... The music industry... 
especially right now in almost every genre except metal, is really focused on youth. And, and it has been for a long time. But like that, there's always that friction when, when you start young and you're in a band and there's all these egos that are fighting each other. And then when you get older, you kind of realize, you know, you don't really need to have that drama anymore and you can actually just kind of work through stuff. Is that, is that kind of what you found when you got back together? Well, you know, I think our, our, our whole thing was a little bit different. And, and, and here's how I see the take on that thing. You know, all the really good, powerful musicians are all young, but all the young guys in the world are listening to old bands, like whether it's Led Zeppelin or Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or us or what have you. So, I mean, it's kind of an irony. The people that are best suited and angriest that are probably writing the best music are probably the young people that aren't getting any coverage because all the, the young fans are actually listening to a lot of old musicians. Now, I can't say that's 100% for sure because there's some younger bands out there too. Um, but, you know, I mean, here, here's the real truth, though. You know, and when it, when we said made, made it, you know, our band, you know, we're not even close to even scratching the surface of even uh, surviving, let, let alone made it. But in a sense, we made it because a lot of people are talking about us and we're playing some really big shows and stuff. But, I mean, there's still the level between us and, let's say, like an Iron Maiden. I mean, it's like, you know, we basically would be like the janitors at their concert. You know, that, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you can sign me up to be a janitor at a Maiden concert any day. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah, those guys are pretty cool. We, uh, our photographer, Greg, who did the first uh, two albums for us, he did a bunch of stuff for Iron Maiden, so we got to hang out with them. I can't really remember when it was. It was probably in, like, the 90s. Uh, maybe the like uh, 91 or 90, somewhere around that time, right before our band broke up. But we got to hang out with them backstage, and it was kind of cool. That was like, you know, they were they were really doing well, but they hadn't reached the level of success they're at. Right. You know, they they hadn't their 747 airplane yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I saw me- I saw a meme a little while back where it was like, uh, remember that uh, New Year's gig? The Dick Clark's New Year's where Mariah Carey had to lip sync because she couldn't or she couldn't hear herself. Right, having all these issues, and then so I saw this meme with Mariah Carey on the top that said, "I couldn't hear myself, so I couldn't perform." And underneath it was, "I survived cancer. I fly my band to every gig." <laughs> I'm Bruce Dickinson. Suck it up. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that's another thing. You know playing. You know, since we've been back together, we played probably 25 pretty big shows, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of times being on stage, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if you don't have like a really uh, long sound check or what have you, and that's what a lot of these big festivals are, there's not really a lot of time for sound checks. As a matter of fact, you just, you know, they cycle the band through one after another. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the time you're on stage and I can't hear any of the other members. And so, that, that, that's what the thing was when we first heard our live album that just came out. A lot of the guys in the band were, were really impressed because it actually sounded, you know, I won't say better than what we expected it to, but it's like uh, we, we were pleasantly surprised that it sounded as good as it did. So. Right. Because you couldn't hear each other on stage. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. What, what festivals have you guys been playing? Well, okay, uh, we just got back from one in uh, Helsinki, Finland, and it was called Blow Up That Gramophone, and that was a really cool festival. 
it wasn't that large, maybe, uh, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people, but it was really cool. It was in an old uh, tram museum. So this concert hall was basically a big concert hall. On either side of the concert hall, they had, like, antique, uh, kind of like uh, electric, you know, uh, railroad cars, like trams for, like, you know, downtown transportation. Huh. And then oh, before, cool. Yeah, but right before that, we played in Brazil. Uh, and we played at a big show down there in Brazil. And uh, that was called Septembro, Septembro Negro, Black September. And that was kind of a cool festival. And then before that, we played one in Germany, Bang Your Head, which, of course, is a big, you know, like 15,000, 20,000 people or so. And nice. That was, that was, so, yeah, no, that's what we're trying to play as many shows a year as we can. But some of the guys in the band, you know, they're, they, you know, we're older, we have families, and some of the guys had careers and stuff like that, too. So, I mean, um, you know, if you're working full-time and you're raising a family, you can't go on tour for, like, you know, 60 days in a row without uh, coming home to no family and no job. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Honey, I'm good. gone for 150 days. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, everyone keeps saying, you know, you know, how come you're not touring more? And that's the real reason. I mean, we wish we could. And, you know, if it was if it was something that was that lucrative that we could do it, I think that we would do that. But what we're trying to do now is play as many shows as we can, as far uh, separated around the world as we can, so that we can get out to some of the people that uh, were listening to us. And at the show we just played in Brazil, there's people, we showed up at our hotel, they were sitting out there, they bought our first album, you know, like, you know, 40 years ago, you know, so, I mean, it was amazing, amazing to actually go play places, and even though most of the crowds, you know, under 30, 25 and under, uh, they'll always be, you know, the people that actually, you know, bought our records when they first came out, and it's pretty amazing to actually see people that, you know, that waited that long, you know, wait 30 years or 40 years to see you. So, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. What do you think? Yeah, the, one, the ones that are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Does it seem to you like metal is more popular all over the world, uh, but specifically in North America, it's not not it's not quite as big? Or is that just kind of like a stereotype that people have? Well, you know what? I think it's always been that way. I mean, you know, like I, I'm working on an interview right now with a big magazine in uh, Poland, and, uh, you know, the guy was asking us, you know, you know, while we broke up and this and that. And, like, I was kind of recounting, you know, our band is kind of like the uh, uh, Tenacious D thing. Like, you know, we survived disco. <laughs> we started made it through the punk thing. But, you know, the hair metal bands and the kind of the speed metal stuff when, uh, you know, the, the, the bands, you know, Metallica bands started playing the faster heavy metal. You know, we were kind of, like, locked into this, you know, we were into this kind of, like, old-style true metal, epic metal or whatever you call it. And it's like, we, we weren't going to change, and we really, most of the time, we didn't really fit in with what, what was going on around us. And what's amazing in the world, it seems like, especially in Germany, the German guys are very sophisticated, you know, and, and every obscure band, you know, you mentioned the guys over there, they know who they are, you know. And yet, here in the United States, there's still like a hardcore group of, of people that like hard rock and heavy metal, but there's just so much other stuff uh, out there for people to listen to, whether it's reggae or punk or grindcore, or, you know, every different genre of metal. You know, so I mean, it's more diluted, I would say. Right. You know, I think the country's bigger. You know, we're in a we're in a giant country. You know, in Europe, you know, Germany's about the size of Texas, so uh, you know, it's easier to keep all that stuff, I guess, contained. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Are you guys now, writing Finland, any new material? Yeah, let me let me do this though. In Finland, we were in Finland, and Finland actually has more heavy metal bands than any country on earth, and most of them are like black metal or death metal. Uh, and you know, we couldn't really figure out why, but uh, because the people there are so happy, everyone's happy. You know, supposedly the happiest people in the world. But then, you know, it's kind of cold and it's rainy and snowing and stuff. And so we were talking amongst ourselves saying, well, you know, this is a perfect place. You know, if you're always indoors, it's perfect to be in a band and write music because, you know, you can't waste your time going outside doing stuff, you know. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no one wants, regardless of how much people love snow, you can't sit out in it, like, all the time. You know? <laughs> right. I guess it's, it's probably why there's a lot of metal in Florida, too, because you can't go outside in the summer. <laughs> but, but wait a second wouldn't your theory be shot down because why are there no like real alaskan metal bands well you know maybe they're all maybe they're just you know once again it's just an isolated area maybe you need to go up there <laughs> what about what about 36 crazy fists that's from alaska oh yeah that's right yeah. all right sorry rob i wasn't I trying mean, to prove you wrong <laughs> there you go but you know it's also alaska has a smaller population you know once again so i mean uh uh, but I, I've been there. It's a beautiful state. I'd like to go there someday. If, you you ask if we're working on new material. Yeah, you know, we as soon as the band got back together, and, and this is no bullshit, you know, when we released Witch's Game last year, like, we were surprised because a lot of the guys said, wow, this is really good, and, you know, wow, they can still play their instruments and stuff. And it, it, kind, of, it kind of took us by surprise because, as soon as we got the band back together, you know, we're playing our old stuff, but we, we sat down and we started working on new material because we love, you know, that's what we did. We wrote, you know, with the exception of uh, Arthur Brown's uh, Fire that we did as a cover, we never really did any covers the whole time the band was together. I mean, we, we, we did practicing and fun, having fun and stuff, but as far as recording them. And so, yeah, no, as, as soon as the band got back together, we started working on new material. And I can't really, there's nothing I can say, like right now, but uh, I keep telling everyone stay tuned because, you know, we had the live album just come out a week before last, and, uh, you know, we, we have a few more uh, tricks up our sleeves before we fade into the background. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Not done yet, huh? Well, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, not, we're not done. We're, uh, <laughs> we're close to done. We're like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think or, when you're making music because you when you're making music because you love oh sorry go ahead oh god I was gonna say we're burnt on one side <laughs> right <laughs> I think though when you're making music because you love to make music it's different yeah you know it is but it's still a struggle you know uh, being in a band it's like being married to four or five other uh, people you know and you have to all kind of be on the same wavelength and. Uh, especially now that we're older, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like when we show up at the band room, we have to help each other put our walkers away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. Everyone's gone down from 412 cabinets to these little tiny combo amps. <laughs> <laughs> not us, though. We're still blasting. Matter of fact, uh, we're playing so loud, you know, I'm just wondering uh, if I'm going to follow in the footsteps of ACDC and have to quit the band because I can't hear anymore, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we haven't given up the stream, and that that's that, that's what's keeping us together. And you know, we're serious because you know, in the music we're writing and stuff, you know, we, we have, you know, we have like, uh, you know, arguments that stretch on for like months on whether you know one riff 
in a song like has one wrong note in it or something. Right, you know, we're right. Trying, yeah, we're trying to we're trying to do what we did when the band broke up when kind of where we left off. We kind of picked up from there. And uh, someone else asked. He said, "You know, did you ever think about doing a live album before?" And the quest the answer to that question was no, because we were always, always chasing our next studio album. Right. But when the band back together, Metal Blade approached us and said, "Hey, would you, do you guys want to do a live album?" We all kind of looked at each other and saying, "Well, hey, you know, this is this might be the perfect time to do that, because uh, you know, you know, obviously the band, you know, our career is not going to last, you know, decades into the future. So we thought, you know, maybe, hey, let's let's do something now. And I don't know if you guys have seen that, but Metal Blade, I mean, those guys, they're, they're about the coolest record company in the world. Yeah. The box, the box set, it has a little mini microphone in it, and a drumstick, and guitar picks, and a back patch, and I mean, it's just as matter of fact, I got it, opened it." One of our fans said, you know, hey, that's kind of gimmicky. But then after I opened it and I started looking at it, I'm thinking if when I, when I was younger and if one of the bands that I loved had put out an album like that with all that kind of stuff in there, I would have just freaked out. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I'm just, you know, and some of it, you know, like the little microphone uh, that the guy we posted on, uh, I think, on our Instagram account of the guy that's singing into the microphone. And we, you know, so it's only like an inch long. You know, we, I told Tim I was going to get a picture of him singing into it, or maybe at our next show he should sing using the baby microphone. But, uh, <laughs> it's like this final tap microphone. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, no, it works. It's a real microphone. So I mean, it's kind of a cool uh, thing. So, it's yeah, a real it's microphone. Like, yes, and uh, it's got his signature on it. And it's like around an inch. And like that, if you look on the Instagram page or the Facebook page, there's like a photo of. Uh, Fill the box set, and that that actually limited edition box set. I think I think that sold out. So that was uh, oh wow, that's kind of that's so cool. That's excellent, Chris. And it's good too. It's good too that you're that you like your uh, that you like your record label. I mean, it's it's pretty rare that you hear a band say that. Well, you know, Brian, when we when we first got together to put out, well, not when we first got together, but when we wanted to put out our first album, there's a long story behind that, but the short version is we'd been making demo tapes and sending them out, and the joke was when you sent out back then cassette tapes to a record company, they just open it up, and they take your uh, cassette tape and erase it and start using it for their music. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, you know, hey, let's put out an album. And let's let's do it, you know, let's do it exactly like as if we're going to put out a record, but use that as our demo. And a lot of people are kind of confused. They didn't really understand that. But then once it kind of got out there, we signed a deal with the company to actually start importing it to Europe and stuff. But when we started doing that, uh, we were friends with Brian Slagle, who owns Metal Blade Records, and he worked at a record store. And, and we're all like, hey, our dream is to be in a band. So we want to put out this album and make it big. And he goes, my dream is I want to have my own record company. And so we kind of, our history goes back, you know, to this very primitive age, you know, in our lives. And now Metal Blade Records is really successful. And they have a European uh, division over there. And one of the guys even has one of our album covers tattooed on his leg. So, you know, the guys, oh, wow. they actually like our, they like our band. And what what's so weird is the, the, the guys are so nice and they're so supportive. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's an honor to be on their record label. That's all I can say. That's all right. Hey, were you part of the um, one of the, those compilations? Because you were probably before he had his label, right? Oh yeah, no, we were on the very first Metal Master one. Metal oh Master yeah, Metallica. that's funny. Wow. Uh, 
uh, bits, a uh, bunch of, matter of fact, for a while, the joke was every band on there was signed to a major label except for us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, after that first album it came out. Uh, and I think it's been reprinted. You know, uh, one band uh, is either Keel or Black and Blue. Uh, they had problems with their record company, so one of the bands was taken off there, and another band, I think it was the band Keel, was taken off, and they put Black and Blue on there. Because uh, Ronnie James Dio's wife was uh, managing them at the time, uh, but I mean, other than that, you know, their record is still, you know, it's, it's got some pretty uh, amazing early metal on it. You know? Oh yeah, I think at the time, at the time, there's other guys. I know in Northern California, there was another gentleman uh, that put out a, a kind of like a compilation album at the same time. So that was kind of like the big, big thing back then. That's awesome. Yeah, I have an- another so cool. another thing on there. I know uh, when Metallica came out, they were playing, you know, a lot faster metal. And the joke is, if you listen to that out first album, our song, Death of the Sun, is faster than their song, which was kind of weird. But, I mean, you know, and we, we we never really did sat down, you know, because there's, there's like speed metal and there's all kind of different genres, but we never sat down and said, hey, let's write, you know, a fast song or a slow song. You know, we, we started, let's write a song. And if it turned out fast or slow, that's how it was. But we right. never really said... You know, let's write all fast songs or let's write all slow songs, you know. And uh, But, I mean, there's bands yeah. out there that do it successfully. We play every once in a while with a band Warning from England, and they're just unbelievably good, but they, uh, they're they really heavy and super slow. And, uh, you know, I'm the drummer, and, and the joke is to me, is like, you know, they go, Rob, you could never play like that because they play slow drums really, really good and tight. It's super hard, you know, to actually get that timing, you know. Yeah. Robert, thank you very much. I appreciate taking the time. Good luck with the uh, with the new record, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. Have a great day, man. I'll, I'll send you a link when it's up. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.